It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. It's been a while since Graham Barfield and I have podcasted together here on the Fantasy Points Podcast. Uh, It's been, yeah, uh, Graham, you and I used to do uh, some podcasts back in the day at Fantasy Guru, uh, and uh, we used to go weekly, but it's been a while since just you and I were on the podcast, and I thought, you know, what a better time to have a chat, you know? We're just sitting here in June, which is supposed to be our dead time. It's wedding season now that we're uh, we're kind of... uh, over it looks like we're over the covid hump obviously with things uh getting back to normal and crowds and sports people are having their weddings i've got a couple to go to you know but we're supposed to be able to take some time off take a deep breath and you know the nfl has said to us you know what screw you guys like no uh julio jones got traded this weekend graham and he gets traded on a sunday you know i'm going out to brunch you know that's something that like i've started doing you know i moved to south carolina last year and I didn't really know anything about the area I'm in, but I, we went to brunch on Sunday with some family and, oh, no, no, Julio Jones, I've got to be buried in my phone the entire time. So that's the NFL. That's what it's doing to us. Uh, this is the Fantasy Points Podcast, by the way. My name's Joe Dolan and he is Graham Barfield, if you didn't pick up on that. Graham, what's going on, my friend? I know uh, you are in a hell of a situation. Uh, if you want to explain to the people, maybe the Cliffs Notes version of what's going on with you, but not only is our staff, as as many staffs are, uh, in this day and age, Graham, are, 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 we're dispersed around the country, but we're even more dispersed right now with people moving and whatever the hell happened with your situation. <laughs> yeah, man, first and foremost, it's good to be back. I remember those uh, those Friday shows. It was always kind of like, you know, long work week. We're breaking down the news before before DFS slates. Uh, definitely, definitely miss doing those. We should... Uh, we got to find some time to get this back because it's it's good to be back with you. That's man. the yeah. key word: finding time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's easy exactly. to say we should do something, but anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. But your your situation is wild right now. Yeah, man. I've been on the road now for about a month. I've been like a nomad. Um, my Ash and I we we drove out from Denver. We drove eight states, seventeen hundred miles in three and a half days. Uh, Long story short, but our, our place in Denver like needs like massive renovations and like some pipes burst and uh, yeah, first week we were there like big winter storm came through and the whole basement flooded uh, where we park our cars and stuff. It needs so. massive renovations, but I think you're almost bearing the lead. This building's brand new, right? Yeah, uh, it's like five. Yeah, it's essentially brand new. It's like it was like five or six years six years old, but. Uh, yeah, they just finished up the renovations. Um, actually, I think they're finishing up today. So we're going to head back this weekend. We'll drive back. Uh, her brother's going to come with us. We're going to do some some sightseeing, go through Nashville, go through Chicago, stay a couple nights, and uh, have some have a good time. And um, yeah, it's just it's it's been fun to be on the road, but I'm ready to get back home. Scott's on the road right now too. He's uh, he's out in New Mexico. He was driving through Kansas yesterday. I was texting him a little bit. So we're all kind of all over the place. It's funny that we're all going uh, our different ways here. I know you've been on on the road a little bit here too recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going up to, I was in Atlanta a couple weekends ago. I'm going up to Connecticut for a family wedding this weekend. And then I've got another wedding up in Scranton in July. So I'm mean, Scranton. Yeah. See Scranton, Michael Scott yeah. up there. Oh yeah. Uh, 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 I've never actually, well, I have been to Scranton, but like, I've never done like the office tour thing. I don't really know what there is to tour from the office because it just kind of sh- takes place in Scranton. And I don't- Yeah, they shot it in California, I'm pretty sure. You know, I, I have no idea. I, I'm I've pretty sure the they shot it somehow in like 
I don't know. I think they shot him like Temecula or something. I have to look at it. But isn't Temecula where like the guy on Christmas Day on Twitter got in the fight with somebody else and like literally was going <laughs> to drive to Temecula to beat him up over a Kobe Bryant argument? <laughs> isn't that so. what that was? <laughs> I, I think so. Well, I'm, I'm Googling it now. Um, let's yeah, see. The- <laughs> it's like uh, literally it's, on Christmas Day, he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm driving to to, to Temecula to kick your ass over Kobe Bryant." <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, Wikipedia. Yeah. Well, like, right. when you when you figure that out, we're uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about that. But yeah, so Julio Jones got traded. Graham, uh, he got traded from the Atlanta Falcons to the Tennessee Titans. This is something that it, it seems like it's been in the works for a few months. And you know, when you heard the rumor a couple of months ago, I. Like I'm, I'm my my whole thing was thinking, why would Atlanta trade Julio Jones? And obviously the cap, the cap's a number one. Why that's happening? I guess Julio requested the trade. He wants to play for a contender. But let's start with Julio himself uh, and and his impact on the Tennessee Titans because Tennessee lost a lot this offseason. Now, they don't throw the mm-hmm. ball a whole lot, but they lost Corey Davis. They lost John U. Smith. That's a lot of time. I think it was over uh, – I think they, they vacated like over 200 targets. Um, that's quite a lot for, for Tennessee to be vacating. It's it, They've upgraded here. I mean, you say what you want about Julio Jones at this stage in his career, and he's certainly on the back nine. Uh, even even if he's, I mean, hell, depending on injuries, he might be coming up the 18th fairway. But he he's better than Corey Davis right now. He's a big time receiver. What does he give the Titans' offense first and foremost from a fantasy standpoint when it comes to Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown? Because I think that's what most people are going to wonder with this trade. Well, first and foremost, Joe, and most importantly, the office was shot in Van Nuys, not Temecula. So we okay. we got we got some housekeeping to do there. No, but uh. Yeah, man, Julio, he's still got it. You know, I just, we, we're going to, by the time this podcast is up, uh, you can go ahead and check out free article up on the site. Uh, Broke down Julio, probably wrote a little bit too much, but I don't know. It's just such a fascinating move from a lot of different angles. But from the Titans perspective, yeah, man, they traded a second round pick, a 2023rd fourth for Julio Jones. Granted, yeah, he's 32 years old, but last year, you know, you know, everybody loves that the hate on Julio for missing games. You know, he only missed three games in the previous three years before he missed, you know, seven last year with the hamstring injury. But even with, the, you know, a nagging hamstring injury that he had, I think it was like week two or week three, he first got it. Julio is still the same exact player. He every, uh, he actually ranked fourth in yards, uh, yards gained per route run. That was actually right behind AJ Brown, who was third. And this is now Julio's like seventh or eighth straight year ranking in the top five of yards per route run. Um, and even looking a little further, um, Julio was the same exact guy on some deeper throws too. Of, of throws of 15 more yards, he was fourth in EPA per target. Um, he was the same exact guy, and, and granted, that's that's with the hammy. Um, sure, the Titans are a lot more run heavy than the Falcons are, um, but I, I think there's reason to believe and reasons to suspect the Titans are probably going to have to throw a little bit more this year. Mainly, Joe, because of their defense. I mean, their secondary is in a really rough spot right now. Yeah, their their defense is bad. And now, I texted Greg Cosell last night, and I was just like, "What are you, what's your thought on, on the Julio trade? And, you know, the thing I love about Greg is um, while Greg's never going to come out and he's not going to skip Bayless you with, like, a hot take, oh, my God, this is the best offense, he actually made the joke. He said to me, you know, if you're browsing Twitter – you're looking at uh, people are calling this like it's the second coming of the greatest show on turf. And, you know, he was like, Greg likes to pump the brakes a little bit, but he had a a really good question. And he said, 
do we just assume that Todd Downing is going to run the same exact system that Arthur Smith ran? Now, they promoted Todd Downing to be the offensive coordinator, so you think there's going to be quite a bit of similarities, but Todd Downing learned under Scott Linehan. Scott Linehan, a heavy 11 personnel type of guy, used 11 personnel you know, heavily in Dallas and 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 all, and all those places. And so the question he had is, are they going to throw the ball more? Is Todd Downing going to lean on his background and decide, we've got Julio Jones, we've got A.J. Brown, arguably the best one-two punch at receiver in the NFL. Josh Reynolds is a solid number three receiver. We drafted Des Fitzpatrick, so now we think we can go four deep at wide receiver. Do they run a lot of 11 personnel? And I think that's a fair question. And then it comes to your uh to your point here, they don't have much of a pass rush at all. You know, they did sign Bud Dupree. That, that'll that probably help matters. Um, Caleb Farley is their first-round pick, but he fell in the draft because of injuries. So how much can they count on him? This is not going to be a very good defense. And while if they play slow and they run the ball, that can be um, kind of massaged a little bit, I do anticipate that the Titans are going to throw the ball more this year. Yeah, well, the good news for the Titans is the AFC South in general is still, you know, it's still kind of a dumpster fire. Jags are a couple years away. Tech and Texans are doing Texans things. And, you know, the Colts are basically, you know, they're riding Carson Wentz. So I, I still think even though the Titans, you know, they could win nine or 10 games and still, uh, still win the AFC South. But, you know, just looking back, you know, while I was doing some research, writing this article, it's kind of surprising. Like the Titans trailed on 42% of their snaps last year. And, and granted, you know, that was with, you know, an elite run game. They were top five in run rate in every game script, but they were trailing probably more than most people would expect. They actually trailed more than slightly more than the Falcons, uh, which is, which is kind of crazy. So you combine that with a bad secondary new offensive coordinator, like, like you mentioned, that might see this offense a little bit differently, you know, Coaches, for the most part, have shied away from, oh, this is my scheme. We have to run my scheme. I don't care who's on the field. It's like, no, your your talent drives the plays that you call. And, you know, adding Julio certainly should, should, uh, you know, I'm not saying the Titans are going to immediately become a, you know, top five pass, you know, top five team in pass rate. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I do think... I do think they're going to throw a little bit more. And, and Joe, for for our game, like Ryan Tannehill was one of my favorite quarterbacks to target before the trade, and he's certainly going to be one of my favorite quarterbacks, uh, especially now. Yeah, so uh, I want to bring this up because Wes Huber just uh, wrote a really good piece on Cover Three. You know, he wrote a a, a fantastic. Um, uh, a breakdown. He's doing a series, by the way, up at fantasypoints.com called Fantasy Shells. And he's talking about all like the, the main coverage defenses, how he exploits that for fantasy, while also breaking down like how it works, how quarterbacks recognize it. And cover three is the most um most used coverage shell in the NFL. Um and one of the advantages of cover three is you know, you bring the strong safety into the box, so you technically you have an extra defender against the run. But this is where it's interesting for Derrick Henry, Graham, because cover three is really good against the run. But Ryan Tannehill is one of the five best quarterbacks against cover three per Wes Huber in the NFL. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are two of the three, three best wide receivers against cover three in the NFL. So now you've got this cover three is a strong run defense. But you also have these passing game uh, options who can really attack that. So I actually look at this as very interesting for Derrick Henry. Graham, 
Tell me I'm nuts, but I actually moved Derrick Henry up from number five to number three on my best ball rankings. I actually think this has a positive impact for Derrick Henry. I do. And I don't I don't expect he's going to carry the ball 400 times, but I definitely think this is certainly a, a move that doesn't preclude Derrick Henry from putting up massive numbers. Quite the contrary, actually. Absolutely. Yeah, you're not you're not crazy at all. I, I had Henry at three all offseason in our best ball ranks behind McCaffrey and Cook. I think there's still a fair bit of dif- distance between McCaffrey and then Cook and then Henry is the one, two, three. But yeah, I mean, you know, you add Julio and it just in theory should give your offense more scoring opportunities. You know, Julio, excuse me, Henry and his, you know, over the last two and a half years since he became the starter, he's been like, I mean, really it's been like McCaffrey has the higher ceiling when, when the, when the Titans win, Derrick Henry averages nearly 25 fantasy points per game. He has like a number of, of performances, well over 30 PPR points. And, and that's with, you know, as we know, basically no passing down usage. So yeah, we're, we're going to get some more red zone opportunities for Henry, get more uh, red zone opportunities for Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill's touchdown rate has been, I think, kind of unsustainable. But I mean, if you you factor in Julio now, it's mm-hmm. it's probably going to be more stable. But yeah, man, I, I just, I love this move overall for the Titans. It really doesn't hurt A.J. Brown. Um, maybe it takes A.J. Brown of like out of the top three consideration where I had him at. Uh, brings him back down to like receiver eight, receiver nine. But still, he's still a strong receiver one. Julio's still a strong receiver two. And, and like you mentioned, I think it's enough, you know, if you didn't already have Henry at three or four, it's enough yeah. to kind of put him in that range over Kamara and over Barkley because both of those guys have their own concerns. Yeah, no, my concerns with Kamara, not to get, not to go off the tangent, obviously the concerns with Barkley are, are obvious. Injury, He's coming right. off an injury. Right. Um, uh, the concerns with Kamara for me is if Taysom Hill's the starting quarterback, like how many targets is he going to get? And because we know how heavily Alvin Kamara's receiving has factored into his production thus far. Um, so let's let's talk about the receivers just really quickly. Uh, again, this is not a significant move for me at, at wide receiver. What I did do is I moved A.J. Brown down from wide receiver four to wide receiver six. So I still have him in the top half of my fantasy wide receiver one. So not a significant move at all. But what I did do is I moved him uh, behind Calvin Ridley, who we will talk about, and I moved him behind D.K. Metcalf. That's for best ball. Um, we still have him ranked aggressively uh, for for fantasy purposes for in, in our projections. Um, with Julio Graham, prior to the trade, his ADP was wide receiver four. Uh, excuse me, not wide receiver forty-four, but forty-fourth overall. I kind of like that. I think it's fair. Um, I like Julio more in best ball. I have him wide receiver eighteen in best ball. Um, I, and, and again, in best ball, you've got the opportunity to look at Julio and say, okay, he might miss a few games. There might be a couple games where Henry gets 30 carries, but in best ball, I, I like him as that high end wide receiver too. It, 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 in kind of mid to high end wide receiver too, in kind of a weird way, Graham, I'm almost like operating the Titans offense. Like it's the Vikings offense. There's a narrow, there's a like narrow that. target tree. You got two big time wide receivers. You've got a tight end who I think can make an impact. Um, I like Tannehill more than I like Cousins, only because he runs a little bit more and he's been a little bit more efficient. But I kind of view these two offenses kind of similarly to how I'm treating them for fantasy. That is that is such a good comp because, like you know, you got Jefferson who got 26, 27 percent of the targets. Then you know Thielen was around like 21, 22 and scored a bunch of touchdowns. That's that's pretty much exactly what we're looking at, especially in our run first offense. So that's a great comp. Um, 
you know, and if we go with that comp, Thielen's going in the fourth round too. And I think Julio yep. will probably end up being cheaper than Thielen. Um, I, you know, man, if Julio drops back past like 50 overall, he starts going that early fifth round range. I, I, that's just like such a home run pick because running back is dead through there. Um, tight end, you know, it's, he, you got to move. We'll talk about pits, but um, it, it, I, I like Julio a lot. If you can get him at a wide receiver three price, because that's probably what we're going to end up looking at. And um, yeah, he, I still think he's got those big six for one fifty and two touchdown games. Uh, you know, he's got a few yeah. of those left in the tank for sure. This isn't AJ Green to the Cardinals. That that's not what this is. Like, I, I mean, let's be completely not. honest. Uh, yeah. I have Ryan Tannehill. I moved him up to quarterback nine in my best ball rankings. Uh, John Hansen also moved him aggressively. Uh, he's quarterback nine on our uh, season long projections too. Um, and John John was kind of not necessarily out on Tannehill, but he had him like it's we had him at like seventeen, like sixteen right. or seventeen before the trade. So that's a pretty big move up. Yeah, it's just it just I think it's going to allow him to be efficient. Again, you know, maybe somebody you like a little bit more in best ball. You know, you get those games. I, I, I forgive me. I, I, I forget who on fantasy Twitter was uh, was uh, talking about this yesterday. But it was like, I'm really looking forward to the weeks when I stack Tannehill, Julio, and AJ Brown, and Derrick Henry has four touchdowns. <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. those are definitely coming. But like so, those are <laughs> definitely coming. I forgive me if you're listening to this. Um, it, it, it was somebody on fantasy Twitter. I always I. I am so bad, Graham. I see a funny tweet, and I'm like, "That's a really funny tweet," and I always forget who tweeted it. Um, yeah, but I, uh, I I wanted to call that out, but it's like those days are definitely coming. So maybe Tannehill, you like him a little bit more, but uh, yeah, I'm taking him inside the top ten at quarterbacks uh, right now. I think he's firmly have- in in that range where you take like Stafford, Herbert, yeah. Jalen Hurts. I think he's firmly in that range. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. Do you have him over Stafford? I do. Yeah, I think I have him like one or two spots over Stafford. And I, like I think Stafford I have a lot it, this year. Yeah, I think I have it Tannehill, Stafford, and then Brady. I've heard you know, like because I, I like Hurts a lot more. Yeah, than I mean Hurts Hurts for best ball is just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you know, and and even season long. But like the one thing I like about this trade, Graham, is you know um, Scott wrote about this uh, last week. Like the quarterbacks are actually becoming more expensive. You know, people are starting to realize that quarterbacks were cheat code and not, not just Konami code quarterbacks, not just quarterbacks who run, but quarterbacks in general, the late round quarterback strategy was a cheat code for so long for fantasy. Um, But like it's bumping guys up. But to me, this gives like another really appealing kind of mid range option at the position. Like, you know, if you miss out on the sexy names like Murray and Jackson and, and Allen and Prescott, you know, maybe you're in on Prescott, even despite the injury that, um, and, or even Hurts, like, you know, Hurts, we were talking about like two years ago, he'd be the guy we'd be targeting in the 11th, 12th round, the way we were Lamar Jackson. That's not the case with Jalen Hurts. You can't get him at that price, but this adds somebody to that kind of Stafford, Wilson, Herbert tier. Maybe if you want to throw Brady in there where you can, there's all right. He's not Lamar Jackson, but that adds Ryan Tannehill as somebody who, all right, maybe I missed out on those, on those early running quarterbacks, but I can get a hyper efficient option here in the ninth round. That's where he fits in. And that's why I really like this trade from a fantasy perspective, because it adds a quarterback to that tier. Yeah. I mean, I, I had Tannehill, not, I, I think I had Tannehill pretty much in that tier all along, but it definitely like boosts him up. I mean, um, last two years, only one quarterback has scored more fantasy points per drop back than Ryan Tannehill, and that's Lamar Jackson. 
the freak Lamar Jackson. So, and that's yeah, and why? Because he runs a lot. Yeah, know? and, so, and Tannehill sneakishly runs a lot too, man. Like especially, yeah. you know, he, he gets those 15, 16 yards per game. He scored quite a few rushing touchdowns inside the red zone. So, yeah, adding Julio is just going to you know add to the the touchdown equity. But um, but yeah, man, I, I love. I'm going to love like a Julio Tannehill stack. I think I probably have – I inadvertently probably have plenty of those right now on I, Underdog. I've already done like 20 drafts on Underdog. I better uh, – <laughs> I probably I have a few. Yeah, yeah, I mean this this Julio trade, yeah, it, it's great for the Titans. Let's go to Atlanta. Um, it, it's really just kind of – I understand why Atlanta did the trade. And like nobody's going to be like – I don't think anybody's going to be like really blaming Terry Fontenot, the new general manager. Mm-hmm. You know, he had the old Absolutely roster, not. a bunch of like bloated contracts that – you know, and like, you know, to, to be fair to Thomas Dimitrov, Graham, they had a Super Bowl window and yep. it shut on them. And, you know, they cleaned house. Uh, this 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 hurts Matt Ryan, I think, above all. Um, actually, I really think Matt Ryan is pretty much the only guy in this entire equation who gets hurt by the deal. Um, uh, you know, say what you want about Matt Ryan. And I still think he's a decent, like high to mid QB two because they're going to be throwing a lot still. I think they are. I mean, at least, um, but losing Julio. And the problem is look at the depth chart behind Calvin Ridley. And we'll get to Kyle Pitts. Cause I know you have thoughts there, but look at the depth chart behind Calvin Ridley. I mean, it's Russell Gage who's yeah. a good player, not, you know, but he's not Julio and like Alameda Zacchaeus, Frank Darby, um, Christian Blake. It's gross, I mean, man. I could have just made those names up and you wouldn't have known. Like, I mean, <laughs> It, it's brutal at the wide receiver position depth-wise for Atlanta right now. It truly is. Uh, so um, let's talk about Atlanta's passing game overall, and let's start with your thoughts on Calvin Ridley because I know I moved Calvin Ridley up and above A.J. Brown after this deal. Again, I didn't move A.J. Brown down a whole lot. I don't think it really hurts him. I just think it helps Calvin Ridley more than it more than uh, than it does A.J. Brown. And I have Calvin Ridley right now at wide receiver five. Uh, I could have made an argument that you could rank him as high as wide receiver three. Yep, um, 100% with you. I got him at receiver four. Um, I, I'd take it a step further. I think you can make an argument that Calvin Ridley is in the same tier as like Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this team, this Falcons team, we're looking at the same exact situation as last year. They're going to be a carnival. They're going to give up a ton of points. Everybody's going to score against them. They're going to have to throw a ton. Uh, and Calvin Ridley without Julio has just been, I mean, he's been lights out. There's been eight games over the last two years where Julio has missed and Ridley has played, and he's averaged 20.2 fantasy points per game. That was basically what Stephon Diggs did last year. Um, and in in those eight games, Joe, Ridley has seen nine or more targets every single time he's finished as a top 25 receiver. In seven of those eight games, he's been above 13 fantasy points in all eight. Like, this is – I mean, it's just a perfect situation for Ridley. You know, he we have a sustained eight-game sample size of him being an alpha receiver one for Atlanta uh, – you know, you add in Kyle Pitts to kind of take off some of the some of the the coverage away from Ridley, and and you know give that offense just another piece to 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 uh, to run around. It's just it's just the perfect spot. I mean, I I would not be surprised um, if Ridley starts passing Devonte Adams in ADP in the next couple I, weeks. That's not, and not that, that's not outrageous. And like you know, Devonte to me is like Devonte is like basically. I mean, not the hardest player to rank, but he's really difficult because he's got a yeah, first round ADP, and I just don't know who his quarterback's going to be. You know who Ridley's quarterback's going to be. You know who Diggs's quarterback's going to be. You know well, who Metcalf's on, quarterback's going to be. On Adams too. I mean, he scored 
if you eliminate the one game, I think it was against the Bears in like week three, he left like a quarter into it with that injury. If you eliminate that game, he averaged more fantasy points per game than Jerry Rice did in his season where he scored 22 touchdowns in 12 games. That was the most ever for a receiver. Uh, Devontae Adams, even if Aaron Rodgers comes back, and I think they end up getting something done with Rodgers, but even if even if Rodgers does come back, Adams' touchdown rate is not going to sustain. He was basically their goal line back. I just don't I don't see that level of volume returning. And Adams can still be and will still be a top five receiver if they get Rodgers back. But Ridley's volume and I mean his role last year, Joe, is just incredible. I mean, he was like top three in every single stat that you care about. End zone targets, deep targets, intermediate targets. I mean, it's just it's it's the nuts roll. Okay, let's get to the elephant in the room. Um, Kyle Pitts. Uh, Graham, I moved him up. I had to. He's my tight end five now. Um, he was my tight end seven pre-draft. Uh, I moved him past Goddard because the Eagles haven't moved Zach Ertz yet. I moved him past Mark Andrews. Um, he's going to be – I have him one spot overall behind TJ Hawkinson. Um the question is, at 66 overall, am I going to get Kyle Pitts there? That is a mid-sixth round pick. No and chance. You don't yeah. think that's you don't think that has a shot of happening? No, no chance, man. The the Twitter hive mind and these his ADP is just going to go through the roof. And the hype was already insane to me. I, I thought he was slightly overvalued before all of this, and now it's just it's going to be crazy. I think I think by July, Pitts is going to be in the fourth round, like consistently going in the fourth round. And um, you know, I, I wrote about this in more detail. If you want to kind of check out like the logic side of it and the number side of it, I kind of tried to break it all down. But like you know, for Kyle Pitts to pay off what I think it's going to cost to get him, you know, late fourth, early fifth round pick at best. Mm -hmm. He's going to have to have not only the best tight end season by rookie in modern history, like throw that out of the window. He's going to have to, you know, have at least 850 yards, eight to 12 touchdowns and 65 ish ish catches. Um, Does he have the opportunity to do that? Absolutely. But as we know with rookie tight ends, it always takes them longer to develop and and Kyle Pitts is probably going to immediately be a week one starter at wide receiver. He is going to start week one at lining up at at X receiver and beating corners. There's Uh, no, they're not slow playing this. I mean, he's, he's going to play basically every snap. No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. From week one, but you know, will, does he have, is there enough value in his cost to, to, for you to make that chance uh, or take, take, uh, to take him in that fourth round. And on that note, Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson, I've done 30 or 40 drafts already. Um, Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson are consistently in that like 60 to 65, 70 overall range. So they're back half fifth round, early sixth round picks. Is Kyle Pitts really worth like a 20 pick premium on those two guys? Cause I think if you, if you have like a, you know, a bell curve of the range of outcomes, I think, all three of them are very similar in terms of, you know, yardage, touchdowns, and yeah. catches. And I, I just think the hype, man, it's just going to get – it's going to get nutty on Pitts. Yeah, and I, believe me, I expect him to produce. Don't get me wrong. Oh, absolutely, man. I, you know, you should project Kyle Pitts to have one of, if not the best rookie tight end season ever. That still means he can be overvalued, though, yeah. for season long. It's, that, both of those things can be true. Uh, Mike Davis, Graham, I didn't really move him much at all, uh, quite frankly. No. Um, I still have him as like a mid to late fourth round pick as as a wide, as as a, he's like one of those like 
if I'm loading up on on wide receivers early, he's kind of like that low end RB two. I'm at running back twenty one. Um, which I think is a fair price for him. Um, I don't see a whole lot of competition for him. And uh, while Atlanta is going to throw the ball more than Arthur Smith did in Tennessee, there's no there's absolutely a guarantee that that's going to happen. Mike Davis can catch the football too. So I actually expect, you know, maybe this opened up some checkdowns for Mike Davis if guys aren't getting open down the field. Yeah, Mike Davis is like, you know, that fourth to fourth to seventh round range of ADP. It, is pretty much dead for running backs this year. And Davis is really the only one I'm like actually targeting. Um, He's actually slid to like the fifth or sixth round, late fifth, sixth round in uh, some best ball uh, BB tens that I've done recently. But yeah, I mean, Davis is fine. The volume's secure. People were taking Todd Gurley, uh, foolishly taking Todd Gurley, I should add in the third round last year, even though we all kind of knew he was pretty close to being done. And um, Davis is a better player. Yeah, you're going to discount on a better player and a better role. I would argue a better role because, you know, the, the Falcons don't really have anything behind Davis besides two UDFAs and Quadra Allison. So, yeah, man, I, I think Davis is a is a fine pick. He's probably not going to be a league winner, but he's a really, really solid RB2 and really the only running back um, in that, that range that I'm kind of targeting. I moved Matt Ryan to QB 16. I think that's fair. I actually have him behind Kirk Cousins. Um, I think that's unique among our staff. Um, but I, I mean, QB 16 for a guy who's still got Ridley and Pitts and is going to have to throw a lot. But I mean, I think Matt, Matt Ryan's floor is super low now. And he's been a guy who's been a ceiling floor guy, Graham. I, I mean, th- even with some of these great receivers, he's had awesome seasons and he's had disappointing seasons for fantasy. I'm ranking him smack dab in the middle at, at QB 16. And I think that's fair. Yeah, the efficiency drop off is just nuts. Last uh, last year, uh, those seven games that, that Julio missed. Um, Ryan was at 6.6 yards per attempt. He was at 7.9 with Julio in the lineup. Um, you know, Pitts will obviously help kind of even those things out a little bit, and the volume will certainly be there. I think Matt Ryan's going to be easily among the top two or three quarterbacks in volume. But yeah, I'm with you. I was actually thinking about that. Um, thinking about that earlier, moving him behind Cousins. I think I'll. I think you pushed me over the edge. <laughs> I, I'm just like I, I view Cousins as like boring Tannehill, like uh, to make that yeah. that. Tennessee Minnesota comparison again you know just like he's he's got the two receivers he's got the tight end and Irv Smith who I, I mean I like Irv Smith more than I like Ferkser but you know I, I just view them as kind of kind of similar in that in that regard oh by the way Ferkser um Graham I'm a tight end 18 I'm totally yeah. cool with him as a number two tight end for fantasy um I just don't don't know what the volume is going to be for him yeah, exactly. I mean, it, you know, people were there were some people that were hyping him up as like having a tight end one ceiling when Johnny Smith was essentially irrelevant for our game, and Johnny Smith is like magnitudes better than Anthony Ferkser. So yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Ferkser's a fine tight end too, uh, especially in like Titan stacks. Like I think Ferkser's yeah. going to get cheaper now, but uh, yeah, I mean, he he kind of just says what he is, and he's going to be. I'm not going to say he's going to be a part time player, but he doesn't block like Jeff Swim's going to block. Uh, Ferks yeah. will be the move guy. And um, yeah, I, I think Ferks are kind of is what he is. He's just a, a solid tight end too. And if you're expecting a top 10 ceiling, you're probably fooling yourself. Exactly. And then that that's where the question that Greg Cosell posed to me comes in. Do they play more 11 personnel and lead into Todd Downing's background? If that would help Ferks That would help Ferks Yeah. But like, but the question is though, if they play 11 personnel, do they trust Ferks to be their blocking tight end? Um, in that case, he'd be running. He would be running routes the majority of the time because, like right. last year, they had to last keep year, their tight ends in. To yeah, block. Yeah, yeah. Well, last year, you know, they can do so much now with Julio 
and AJ Brown. I think they're going to, I think they're going to rotate those guys through the slot too. I think they'll play Reynolds outside when they go into 11. But last year, I mean, Arthur Smith ran multiple tight ends on the field more than any, co- uh, than any team in the league. Um, I still think 12 is going to be their base, but yeah, they now have like the flexibility by adding Julio to like, yeah. you know, mix and match that. I mean, it's a pretty impactful move for fantasy. And like, the thing I like about it is I, I mostly like it from every angle. Um, yeah. That's the best part, man. Is like every, everyone wins except for Matt Ryan. Yeah. Which, and like, who cares in the, in the grand scheme of things, that's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> other than the fact that I just drafted him in our super flex dynasty, which, you know, that's pretty significant. Um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't running to the podium to draft Matt Ryan. So like, all right, now I'll, maybe I'll take cousins more often. Like that's not a big deal. Um, I kind of like it from everybody's perspective. Yeah. I don't think it hurts Henry or Brown. It, it, it might, I mean, it might knock their, the target value for AJ Brown. It might knock the carry value for, for Derek Henry, but I think it makes them more efficient. We know, already know how hyper efficient Tannehill is. It's a move that just made sense from the Titans perspective. If I were the Falcons, I, I, I'm again, not, not to say Terry Fontenot should be sitting back and saying, man, I made a mistake. You know, he, he dealt, he played the hand he was dealt the way he thought he had to play it. It's just from my perspective, it's very disappointing because if the Falcons were looking to extend the career of Matt Ryan and, and, and reach that ceiling, the best right. way to do that would, would have been to keep Julio Jones this year and try to score a million points. I mean, that, that, and that ceiling has, I'm, it's lowered. It's, it's, it, they were cathedral ceilings, Graham. Now you're ducking when you go into the, when you, <laughs> when you go into the, to the room. I mean, that's, that, that's quite frankly what it is now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the NFC South is going to be super competitive. The Panthers are really interesting this year too, especially if Darnold uh, ends up being what, you know, Brady and, and Roll wants him to be. Um, it's, it's going to be a rough go of it, man. I mean, the, uh, the Falcons owe Ryan a ton of money next year too. I mean, they would have, it's not like the Carson Wentz situation where the Eagles ate all that money. The Falcons would have to eat even more and probably not get as much in return given Ryan's age. They just really kind of, you know, Fontenot is just kind of in a lose-lose situation. At least he got a second out of it, but you know, for the Falcons best player in history and potential, you know, definite future hall of famer. Um, it, it definitely hurts for Falcons fans. Like, yeah. you know, they've just been, they've been taking grenades since 28 to three, man. I feel for them. Yeah. And this is like, I, by the way, one of the, one of the uh, groups that's even, funny you mentioned cars once, one of the groups I saw celebrating the trade were Eagles fans because they viewed this as making the Titans better, which improves the Eagles Ooh. chances of, of a good draft pick. And so I was like, you know, that's a good it, point. It, it's a ripple effect kind of, kind of deal. Um, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to say like, I don't expect this deal is going to have the impact that Stefan Diggs had on Buffalo last year. Um, but it's a good deal. And the cool thing for Julio as well, Graham, is he doesn't need to be the alpha dog. Now, maybe you were saying he had that in Atlanta too. I just think AJ Brown's kind of a different beast than Calvin Ridley. Absolutely. Um, I just think he's more of like that alpha dog, like, oh my God, we got to stop that guy. Um, I, you know, it's just, I, I think this is a good move for Julio. I think it's a good move for Tennessee. Not so much for Atlanta. That's just the, that, that's the, um, uh, that's the debt collector coming around. That's what it was for Atlanta. So, um, a really good fantasy move. And if you want to read more about it, um, go to fantasypoints.com. Graham Barfield has a fantasy fallout article up as well that covers every angle, maybe gets a little bit more technical than we got here on the podcast. That is free, uh, up on fantasypoints.com. We just did a run of best ball rankings. We did a run of, uh, of projections. So everything's been updated over the weekend. Um, if you want more breakdowns of the Titans and the Falcons, and I think we obviously 
discuss the possibility that Julio would be traded with Adam Kaplan and Greg Cosell. Our Fantasy Points Powwow series is available here on this podcast feed and additionally as a video up at FantasyPoints.com. That is also free. So make sure you go to FantasyPoints.com. We have so much up right now. Um, A lot of our content is available for free right now. Just so you guys know, like you're getting a lot of great stuff um, and you might want to subscribe for the 2021 NFL season. Follow him on Twitter at Graham Barfield. Follow me on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. Follow the site on Twitter at Fantasy PTS. It was good to be with you, Graham, my friend. Uh, We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Take it easy, guys, and uh, enjoy drafting Julio in the fifth round. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.